Tea chats with Jack Jones, medical practitioner turned sex shop owner, about her journey from working with those who suffer the consequences of no sex ed in America to committing her life to a sex toy shop that promotes sex ed while having fun. You're listening to TNA Talk Sex. I'm T. You're listening to episode 133 because sex isn't ever just about sex. This is, you know, one of the episodes where it's just me. T, aka Christina. Um, Stephanie is abroad in Europe for uh, the next few months, and I miss her terribly. But you know, we're swimming, swimming just fine without. It's a chance to spread my wings and be independent. I feel like in relationships, you can relate to, you know, when your partner has to travel, and you're like, wait, I'm a whole human being. I can do it myself. <laughs> foreign. But anyway, uh, so today we're talking with Jack Jones, who is a sex educator, but also has a sex toy shop called Sugar, um, located in Baltimore, but it's online as well. Hi, Jack. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, So you have such a wealth of experience and knowledge. If you could just chat with me and my listeners a little bit about your experience and all the different ranges of work you've done. Sure. Um, so I started out working at uh, Planned Parenthood in Planned Parenthood of Minnesota, South Dakota, and and it is now Planned Parenthood of Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota, but it was not when I started working there and ended up working in the clinics and working with so working with reproductive health care, patient education, that kind of thing, and also working with abortion care and then uh, worked with other other public health organizations providing education around HIV prevention uh, for both for people who were positive for HIV and people who had did not have HIV or but were at very high risk. And then I've also worked in more pleasure based sex education with and I worked for Babeland and in New York when they only had one store in New York. And then I opened Sugar in Baltimore. Yeah, when I was uh, living in New York. I went to college there and um and I we a girl on my floor brought us down to the shop it was to babes in toyland the one in Ludington yeah awesome it was awesome that was my first time sort of I mean I've always been very open to all this stuff because I think because I grew up in New Orleans I mean I remember in high school going to a a gay strip uh contest <laughs> you know uh in in the French Quarter with my friend awesome. you know with our fake IDs um so always open to it but I think not really exploring myself at the time, right? right? There wasn't that understanding of actually developing my own sexuality. Um, you know, in college, it was like, I was definitely like a slow bloom into into exploring it. Yeah, I was too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And when I first walked into Babeland, like I had heard about it forever. I had been at a Babeland booth at a festival. And I walked into the store. I was a feminist. I'd worked for Planned Parenthood, I, you know, all of those things. And I turned four different shades of red and went over and stood by the books and had to like pretend that I was looking at the books for like 15 (laughs) minutes before I could walk around the rest of the store. So can I ask you, I I feel like this is probably really common and, and the store clerks probably are used to seeing that. Absolutely. I mean, how do you, how do you handle it? I I mean, it's certainly comical, but a common issue. Well, one of the things we do at Sugar is the first thing that someone walks in the door and the second they walk in the door, we're like, hi, welcome to Sugar. And then we ask them if they've been in the store before. And if they haven't, 
then we're like, hey, you can pick things up, you can turn things on, we'll be over here. And if they have been to the store, we say, welcome back, let us know if we can help. And then we just sort of, and then we watch for question face. Right, yeah. Yeah, if they're staring at something long enough. Right. And we're like, I don't want to ask, but exactly. I do. Exactly. You get the head tilt. Like, we're <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah. Because there's a lot of sex toys these days that aren't intuitive. No, yeah. yeah I, right. And some really interesting shapes, too. Right. So people are like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? And then, so we explain to them. Do you... uh you know, it's funny, my co-host Stephanie sometimes is like, she can be like anti-sex toys, uh-huh. <laughs> speaking for her. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, she is. She's sort of like, okay, but don't, you know, she doesn't like to use a vibrator when she masturbates, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, I've definitely played with them. And, and so I'm game, but I'm, I would say I'm kind of a novice in a lot of ways. I don't use a lot of different toys. I don't know. Do you have feelings Fine. about ones that people should explore or what's, what's, I have feelings about people exploring the things that they want to explore. And so I am totally here for that, whatever that looks like, as long as it's consensual. And I do know, however, that there are many folks who have clitorises and vaginas that need the stimulation level of a vibrator in order to have an orgasm. Mm. And that's not because they're doing something wrong or they don't know their bodies. It's because that's how their bodies work. And that's fine. So I think it's a really good thing for every person who has genitals to explore some sex toys and see what they're like for them. But just like anything else, it doesn't mean that you're going to like it. And if you don't like it, it doesn't mean that you're not sexually evolved. Yeah. Yeah. I I liked what you were saying before we got on air about uh, kind of the, the way that sex toys can positively benefit people who've gone through different physical traumas or something. Absolutely. So one of the things that we talk a lot about is folks finding their own sexuality and expressing it in a way that makes sense to them. And many of us in our world have had some of our sexual joy taken from us in through sexual assault or rape, or even sometimes just feeling how your body is commodified non-consensually when you're walking down the street. And, (laughs) um, and so sometimes part of healing from that is to find different ways of expressing your sexuality and taking that into your power and taking that power back and making it yours. And so we definitely, every year we offer a class uh, called sex for survivors. And that's one of our classes that we offer for free because everybody should have access be able to, and Right. Recover. Exactly. And so, and we talk about different ways and everybody's path to that is completely different. And one of the most important things is to make sure that people, that the person who has survived the trauma is the person who's deciding what their survival and what their healing looks like. And to somebody who's not walked in their exact same shoes, the way that they're healing might look not the way that you would heal. And that's fine. (laughs) <laughs> ah, no, I love that. It makes me think of a few weeks ago, we had the guests from Fuck Yes on who create it's a series online about uh, getting you to a place of fuck yes for having sex, right? Rather than, so, yeah, okay, or I'm not really in the mood, but I'll do it. Or I'm starving for physical affection. So, okay. Um, and, and what I loved about the conversation with them was that reminder of you know, what is it that you want and actually saying it rather than receiving and then going, yeah, I like it or no, I don't like it. And I feel like there's, there's 
you know, a similar parallel to the way that you're going to recover from something that happens traumatically, but also like taking your power in the sense of, um, well, one of their episodes was called fingers, and it's, right. but it's about this sort of arousal moment with the couple and, and the woman is saying, you know, well, what do you want? Like you tell me what you want with another woman and it's, right. and it's really erotic and beautiful, but it's so true. It's like, when's the last time you told your partner what you wanted? you know, before they even start. Well, and a lot of people don't do that because they don't have the words, they don't have the language, and they don't actually know. Yeah. And that's one of the ways that sex toys and sex education in general, and like what you guys do, it can really help people to find the language, find the words, and be able to, to share. And one of the things I tell everybody that I work with is you need to masturbate. Like you yeah. really because you learn your body, that, yeah. Right? Yeah, I think so. I you know, I also I feel like I had a uh, a lot of gen- not a lot, a couple of key generous lovers in the sense of, you know, patience with me in that way right. of going, "Well, what is it that you do want?" and I'm going, "Well, I don't know." Um, right. but not kind of going, "Well, if you don't know, okay," and moving on, right. but let's stay there for a minute or, you know, I'm going to sure. try this. Do you like that? And and while I feel embarrassed or shy or whatever, it it does bring me out, right? And then right. I go, yeah, I do like that. No, right. I don't like that. I do prefer this. Exactly. And I think that um, people who've been socialized as women, we tend to have problems sometimes asking for what we want. I call it yes. <laughs> I call it the burnt toast syndrome. Uh, my grandma was like an amazing woman, and. Anything that was burnt when she was cooking, it was hers. She was going to eat it. Wow. And wow. And she was always the last to sit down at the dining room table. And I think that there's so much of that in our culture about that that's what womanhood looks like. That's what a good woman is. That it can be difficult to let go of that in the bedroom. And so sometimes when I'm talking to folks, I'll encourage them to think about telling your partner what you want as a gift. Because that person there probably wants to make you feel really good. And if you give them the tools to do that, then they get to walk away feeling like a rock star. Cool. Okay. I mean, I guess maybe the answer is obvious. But yeah, like you're saying, okay, I don't have the words for it like that. Just listening to it almost felt overwhelming in a way. You're like, okay, a gift. I mean, how do I how do I approach my partner? I don't I don't know. Do you have advice for that? Is it it's come to a workshop and and kind of exercise, you know, practice makes perfect. Well, Going to workshops uh, can be a really good way to learn all kinds of different things. And if there's a type of sex that you like to receive, I also think it's a really good idea to learn more about giving that particular activity so that you can be more directive with it. Mm. Another thing that's really useful is reading erotica. And a tip, and this is not my tip, this is a tip that us folks have been using for years is to read erotica and you know those little post-it notes the little skinny ones Mm -hmm. just mark the pages that you like and give it to your partner oh that's good you don't even have to use (laughs) words you can use somebody else's words oh yes and it gets the imagination going and you didn't have to be shot you know embarrass yourself and all that not that it should be embarrassing but no but often we are embarrassed yeah i still get embarrassed around sex sometimes oh my god i do all the time and it's you know and people (laughs) like you talk about it on air and i'm like yes i do talk about it after the act (laughs) 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 no But uh, yeah, there's, 
I think that this always comes up too is how much of sex is just a conversation with someone. So right. depending on your level of comfort and familiarity with them and boundaries and, you know, once you know someone really well, you know how they think, right? So you know right. where there might be a roadblock or where there's not and there's right. fluidity, right? But as you're getting to know someone, I don't know, it's, you know, it's trial and error. So that's, I think, where a lot it of the is. fear comes in. It is. Um, I really liked uh kind of how you had shifted we were talking earlier also about uh-huh. about your shift from working in um sexual health care uh-huh. that i feel is dealing with a lot of problems or or right. the aftermath of problems i don't know the right. fallout of sure, a lack sure. of sex education yeah absolutely um, oh yeah and then yeah and then shifting yeah. into into something where it's you know pleasure based and right. also preventive care in terms of stis that kind of thing absolutely um yeah, I wonder if you could. Well, so I worked for years um, providing birth control information and options counseling, uh, pre-abortion and decision-making counseling. Uh, I held people's hands while they were having abortions. I managed a clinic that provided abortion services. I've many, many times been like, okay, so we have to talk about this because you have chlamydia and we need to talk about who you need to tell. And then you need to drink this thing because it comes in a little cup or it used to and it tastes like cherry flavored ass. It's not. Oh, wow. It's not good. Oh, it tastes bad. It's bad. It's maybe bad. maybe have a chaser of something. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we should have been like, here's this and then here's some tequila. Yeah. Uh, but no. Uh, and so then when I was able to work at Babeland and really come at things from a purely pleasure-based perspective, it was so freeing and such joy. A disease-based model of sex education, we actually know that fear-based education is not that effective. It works really well for a short period of time. And however, if you tell somebody, if you consistently do this and it feels good, then people do that. For example, think about it. If you tell somebody if they smoke cigarettes, they're going to die, Unless it's imminent, they're going to be like, "Eh, whatever, probably not tomorrow. But if somebody starts to notice that they're developing a smoker's neck, uh, then they're much more likely. Yes, that is upsetting. Right? Exactly. (laughs) Just start to, they'll be like, oh, I don't want that. That's a, so maybe if I stop smoking and start using some vitamin C, that'll help. Or they don't like gasping for air while they're walking walking up steps or they decide that they're going to start running or whatever, that kind of immediate positive reason to stop doing something works much better and is much more effective. That's true for sex too. Yeah. Um, Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about what brought you into doing that sex work and sex work, sex health education and work. And then, and again, also kind of making the decision to move into a sex toy shop <laughs> um, right. and, and where the overlap is and all that. Uh, so you're listening to TNA Talk Sex. We're talking with Jack Jones, who owns uh, owner of Sugar, the sex toy shop. Uh, they can find it online at, yep, at sugartheshop.com. Again, that is sugartheshop.com. And Jack is actually offering a promo code for you all if you want to check out her shop. Um, 10% off plus a free lubricant if you use the code T&A as in T-A-N-D-A. Um, T-A-N-D-A also sounds like Tanda, but uh, check out sugartheshop.com for that discount.
we're back with TNA Talk Sex. Just tea today. <laughs> um, but, you know, more than enough. Uh, yeah, so we're talking with Jack Jones. And um, I was just asking you about your um, decision to kind to go into sex health work. And yeah, and where did that all come from? Uh, I'm one of those weirdos that actually has been super interested in sexuality education and access to birth control and abortion services since I was... 13. Yeah. And, uh, and really got interested in parental notification laws around abortion services. And actually, at the time, I was pro life. And but I was like, that's dumb that if it's supposed to be legal, it should be legal for anybody who wants one. And you shouldn't have to get extra things. And then my, obviously, my opinions on that evolved over time. Yeah. And then when I was in college, uh, I actually wrote my senior paper in college on how the evolution of the availability and accuracy of birth control information and methods affected the evolution of women's roles in United States society. And which is a mouthful. Yeah, it was way too broad for a senior (laughs) paper in college, by the way. Um, I didn't listen when they they told me, did you end up with like a giant? It was supposed you know, to be a thousand was, page essay. It should have been. I was supposed to cover that in 50 pages. Let me tell you, it was the worst paper I wrote because I couldn't. I was like, I spent all of my time researching. And then anyway, um, but I really firmly believe that access to the things that you need in order to express your sexuality is a core part of human rights and using limiting people's ability to express their sexuality with shameless joy, with passion, and within the constructs that are available to everyone is one of the ways that society has attempted to control many, many different, many, many different marginalized groups. And if that's one of the things that we can get rid of, I think it's really important. And I think it's also important that that's done across the board, right? Do you think that's all a this is sort of a right field. Um, For me, and my analysis of it, I feel like it's all sort of economically driven. Uh, Also, like, hey, I'm gonna control this group, because there are economic benefits if we do. Right, of course. For certain people. Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. And it's also a way like shame is a really powerful tool for controlling groups. And I think it's also important that we make sure that we are judicious and honest and equitable about not buying into shame and blame and not demonizing somebody's sexual activities. For example, something came out the other day saying that president-elect and soon-to-be president Trump had engaged in um, golden showers. Right, right? yeah. I don't give a fuck what <laughs> kind of sex Amen. he has, as long as it's consensual, right? Yeah. Like, there's so many things that I really would like to have a chat with him about um, with perhaps some appropriate space between us, physical space uh, yeah. for my own safety. Uh, but I think that if we, we have to make sure that even when it's somebody that we don't like, that we don't fall into those. Yeah, that we're not shaming on right. on the grounds of sex. I know. Exactly. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, so, okay, so then you transitioned into having a sex toy shop. Yes. 
how how does that happen? I mean, so <laughs> you yeah, I mean, so you're always really interested in it. And then yeah, and then you shifted over to that. Right. Well, so I worked for Babyland for two years ish, not very long. And in that time learned that that was something that I truly, truly loved. I went back and continued to work in reproductive health care and public health for a while and got to the point where we had access to some capital uh, in our house because of the real estate bubble. And I want to be really clear. We talk a lot about women owning businesses and people owning businesses and the access to capital is the thing that you have to have. And the only reason that I had that was because of privilege. And there's a lot of other people who want to do this and can't because they don't have that. They don't fall into the, into the lump sum of money. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't cheap. And so we went into debt, took money out of the house, like a lot of people did (laughs) right around then and opened and opened the store. And we've been open for 10 years in April. And it's been like any business. It's been a joy and heartbreaking and sometimes wakes me up at 3 a.m. And, <laughs> you know, all of those things. But one of the things that I truly love about it is we're able to create a space where people can access information. They can access products that they might need in order to really explore their sexuality. They can access products that they might need in order to experience their sexuality, like lube. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I actually just had a terrible experience with a, with some condoms that I didn't know didn't have lubricant. Oh, God. I mean, I had some, but I even felt I felt so bad for my partner. And I kept being like, well, why don't you we should put like a little like a drop of lube on your penis and then we could put it on. <laughs> and then, you know, I was like, these are horrible. I don't know. So that's not good. Yeah. Size and and lubricant all matter a lot. And totally. I, I think obviously it's so important if a woman is um, empowered to certainly have her own condoms. Right. And, and they talk a lot about that. But at the same time, you know, for men, you know, your size. So I think totally. err on the side of just having one with you. I mean, I know it's a funny thing to go, okay, I'm going to go to a party with the condom in my pocket. You know, I don't know if I'm having right. sex just bring it no I totally I totally agree with you we used to talk a whole lot about like how any condom will fit anybody it's fine I can put a condom on my head and and I can (laughs) oh my god but that doesn't mean it's gonna feel comfortable on an individual penis oh my god it looked uncomfortable I felt so bad for him I was like so bad I know I know and anyway they were all I had note to self I need to need to have all sizes exactly I support that. Yeah. Um, what about, okay, we, you started out when you were really young, you know, having this passion for it. And right. I feel like for myself, I've also sort of had this slow coming trajectory where I've always had my mind on that subject. Right. Um, and, you know, and directed the vagina monologues in college and right. all these things that sort of, right, like naturally are leading me to having a show like this. Um, but, you know, I, I remember one time walking with a cousin of mine and she was talking about her, her mother and, um, and, you know, you're venting or whatever. And she's and she's sort of saying, oh, well, you know, she's freaking out. And she's calling me all the time and, and her boyfriend and her broke up. So, you know, it's not getting laid. And, you know, the sex drive in this family. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I kind of went, oh, is that a, that's oh, that, I, OK, that's everyone. I'd never even thought about it. I thought it was maybe just me. Uh, but so I, I wondered about kind of just family influence. And, you know, you, you know, does your family kind of have a story that that made you want to 
defend people's rights or uh, yes and it's maybe not the story that you're expecting my dad's a pastor mm. and but a lutheran pastor and uh the mainstream there's a bunch of different denominations but he's was part he's a retired pastor from the largest one and i was raised being told that sex was something that should only be between a man and a woman and only within the confines of marriage However, I was told that it was that way because it was an amazing, wonderful, fabulous gift from God, and that then once the marriage happened, do whatever the hell you want, right? Like, yeah. as long as it's only between those two opposite sex people. I'm a lesbian, so that evolved. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, what, did you ever date men, or were you... My ex-husband. Wow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But it took a minute. Uh, however, I did grow up in a house where I had a really strong example. And my parents are still married to each other 50 years later. This was just their 50-year anniversary. They're still handsy. I'll still find them kissing in the kitchen. My dad tells me that sex gets better with age. They're wow. both 72, maybe 73. They won't mind if I just say they're 72. <laughs> and, and so I had really positive role models around sexuality in many, many ways. Obviously, I would have benefited from an understanding that all sexual orientations were also healthy and and God-given and yeah. all of that. But, you know, you take what you can get. And what I got was so much better than what a lot of people get. Right, yeah. I mean... Trying to, I don't feel like I got a lot of sex education. Sometimes oh, I think, no. yeah, I feel like the benefit of my the way I was raised was almost the hands off quality right. <laughs> that my parents had. So, so I I didn't have a lot of judgment looming over my head. I just right. you know I was like I don't know I get to do what I want when I want if it feels right because my parents don't qualify it. Um, Did they give you a book? Oh, you you know, thank you. Yes, at a very young age. <laughs> Yes, but I, I, they bought it for my brother and sister when they uh -huh. were 10, and I was five, and I found the book, and I actually still have it, and it's called Where Did I Come From? Oh, that's a great book. Yeah, it is good. It is good. I mean, I think it's hilarious, so I keep it on my bookshelf, um, <laughs> uh, but it's... It, yeah, and I, I basically ran around the neighborhood showing everyone, you know, so at an early age, I was an educator, <laughs> you know, and I showed everyone in my class, you know, how babies were made. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is how babies are made is not the full sexual experience. God, no. And right. I think that's one of the things. One of my friends, uh, Ducky Doolittle, who's a sex educator, she will often say, you know, in sex ed, they teach you where your fallopian tubes are, but they don't teach you anything about your clitoris. And then she always says, I don't fucking need to know where my fallopian tubes are. Like you don't. I mean, well, in general, a general area, that's cool. But knowing where your clitoris is, useful information. Knowing that it's a pleasure center, really useful information. Yeah. And you, I don't know how you're supposed to find that out. Like they certainly don't tell you that in high school. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, we touched on this also earlier about, uh, when you're denying yourself that exploration right. and, and you don't have any understanding of sexuality. I, I mean, in my opinion, it's in my opinion, I feel like it's it is a fact like your your core existence as a human being is tied to your right. sexuality. I think it's the one universal thing that we all have. Right. That that 
makes us all the same like and it and it creates pleasure it also is stress reduction i mean all these things that um if you're denying it um you're kind of crippling a a side of you i mean we've talked about you know we've had shows where we talk about even for women like where your confidence comes from and feeling empowered sexually is going to make you feel empowered in your daily life um because because strength comes from that uh self-assurance i don't know just don't so, all right. So the point being that, that if you um, foster that and learn about it and develop it, then you're going to be able to make better decisions. Yeah. And, and I thought about, for me, it was so powerful, like, to listen to you talking about the journey that you've been on with your career right. of working in, in this sort of, you know, ameliorating problems that already exist. Right. And then, and how, if people were aware and had access to sex education and we're taught to value these things right that then they would probably avoid um those many things absolutely yeah, they wouldn't avoid many i mean you know it doesn't matter how much education you have there's going to be days where you make decisions that the next day you're like wow yeah. what was i thinking yeah because we're human we do that but i do think that make having the ability to make really pleasure-centered really positive decisions is super powerful yeah i mean i feel like like you're saying, I feel like when I'm denying my body or not taking care of it, I can look at in this past year times where I had sex in a more reckless way or sure. didn't really know the person because because I was starved for it. It was like right. starved for touch or exactly. starved for, you know, and I had this conversation with a friend, too, where she's like, oh, I should have waited, you know, and, and I don't know the person that well, but we ended up hooking up. And I'm like, right, because you haven't been touched in a long time. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, like don't shame yourself it's totally normal that you have that desire i mean Absolutely. the more you're aware of it the more you can maybe make better choices you know right um or different choices yeah choices that you feel better about yeah do you um are there i don't know common problems that come up consistently like when people come into your sex shop yes. or things that you've seen like what yes. are some of those uh one of the most common ones is somebody coming in who has a clitoris who's pre-orgasmic and so they haven't experienced an orgasm yet. And they it's something that they're choosing to try to invest some time in and learning about their body and finding a way to experience orgasm. The second thing is people wanting to explore anal sex and finding ways to do that that are safe. And one of the things we usually have to tell people around that is that anal sex is not supposed to hurt and you should never, ever use numbing things because yeah 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 no we talk a lot about that uh yeah yeah okay i yeah if you want to do it get you have to research it you have yes. to get information we've done a couple shows on it ourselves um exactly if you feel any pain you stop exactly so thank you for that yes <laughs> so important so important yeah um what are what are some other I guess I'm interested in your your work with um, HIV prevention, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, what's well? I did most of my work with HIV prevention. I was working in Baltimore City. Baltimore has one of the highest rates of HIV in the nation, yeah. and so and it's and so one of the things that with HIV prevention, you really want to be talking about eliminating stigma, uh, eliminating blame. And trying to find a way for people to be able to make, maybe it's a place where somebody is able to 
use condoms sometimes, but not all the time. Well, okay, that's great. I'm glad you're using condoms sometimes. It's better than using them not at all. And so really trying to reframe that education in a way that's about risk reduction, not risk elimination. And now we have an amazing opportunity to help prevent people from getting HIV with PrEP. And have you guys talked about that no. yet? Uh, so PrEP is um, pre-exposure prophylaxis, and it's a pill that somebody can take every day. And if with, and they've only researched it so far in men who have sex with men, but they believe that the benefits will transfer to people of multiple genders, that with daily appropriate use, they're looking at prevention rates of close to 100%. Wow. Which is amazing. And it's the biggest breakthrough we've had in HIV prevention pretty much since we identified the virus. Yeah. And so that's... Are they administering it to women at this point? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I, know, I know women who are taking it. And when they're doing research now on its efficacy around uh, for IV drug users to see if that would help reduce... HIV there as well. And it's looking, there's been one study and it's looking somewhat promising. It's not as effective from as it is in preventing HIV between people who are having sex with each other, but it's more effective than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Which is, which is great. Okay. We're going to take a little break again and, okay. uh, and we'll be right back. We're talking to Jack Jones, the owner of the sex shop sugar, uh, based in Baltimore. Yes. But can be found online at, at sugartheshop.com. Cool. And uh, find us on social media at TA Talk Sex. And friendly reminder that you can get a 10% discount with free lubricant if you use the code T&A at sugartheshop.com. Uh, again, that is T&A as in T-A-N-D-A. Sounds like Tanda. Um, and go to Jack's site, sugartheshop.com for that 10% discount and free lubricant. And we're back with TNA Talk Sex. I'm T. And we're talking with Jack Jones, uh, again, from the sex shop Sugar, which can be found at the sugar, sorry, sugartheshop.com. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, okay. I You mentioned that all sex shops kind of have their own personalities. Right. Based on presumably who runs them and what they're passionate about. Right. Um, and then even kind of which toys are more popular in different regions, all that. It's totally true. Do you... What what is the personality of yours? Well, I love Baltimore, and one of the things that uh, supposedly John Waters once said about Baltimore is, "Come to Baltimore and see the freaks." We're an odd, quirky little city, and so we're an odd, quirky little sex toy store. And one of the things I've talked to people who have stores out here in California and y'all can apparently get people to come to workshops on relationships. No, our folks, we like it raw. We want to know where to lick. We want to know where to blow. We want to know where to push. And that's, that's a thing. One of the other things that I think is really fun about our store is a lot of other stores have problems getting folks to come to workshops on pussy licking mm. Any sex toy store can sell at a blowjob class in the middle of the night, in the middle of a blizzard. Like, it doesn't matter. 
people are coming to learn about blowjobs. But selling out a pussy looking class is something that is less common, but we managed to do it in Baltimore, (laughs) which is nice. Do you think that stems from insecurity about, because I feel like lots of men are performing oral sex. Right. I I know that there is this issue of, I have had partners that, that are like, "Uh," but I would say the majority. Uh, Yeah. I think it is arousing for them. So is there, um, do you think that just stems from kind of our cultural idea of like, if you're a man, you know how to do it? I think it stems from a cultural idea that if you're a man, you should know how to do it, which is not true. No. And I think that the more you learn, the better. Right. And also, I think it goes back to the thing. And again, this is one of those cultural tropes that I think is totally not true. The whole like men don't read directions thing. And I know a lot of guys who are happy to read directions. (laughs) And I think it's just making it safe and accessible for somebody who wants to lick pussy to come and get more information. Because here's the thing. I've been working in this field for a long time. I know a lot about sex. And I will never know everything there is to know about sex. Right. And that fact is part of why I get up in the morning. Like, it's so good. My customers are constantly teaching me things. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And I think the range of how different everyone is. Oh, my God. Like things come up and you're like, oh, I didn't know. That's not that's. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. Can I tell you my when I learned that when I really, really that sunk in for me? Yeah. I was reading about different fetishes. And there's a fetish. It's a rubber ball fetish. It probably has an official name where people will pr- put down a tarp in their house and then purchase a rubber beach ball and lube everything up and then hump the ball until it pops. And that's their thing. That's what makes them happy. Totally safe. No exchange of body fluids. Like no no risk anywhere with that, except maybe if you fall, if the ball's too big when it pops. I don't know. But and when I learned that, I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> because Always. because it it's so... What like what do you I mean by I never would have thought of that. And yeah. there are multiple people out there who figured out that that was their joy. Yeah. And found it. And do, do you think that there's because I always sort of try to break it down. Like I think people are so quick to go that is so weird. And then when I really meditate on something, I can find the origin of the arousal. Like I right. I mean just on a quickly, you know, people talk about um okay, women like wanting to be choked, like the choking thing, uh-huh. right? Or something and kind right. of, oh, it's a rape fantasy, da, da, da. And, uh-huh. I, and I, yeah, and I kind of go, okay, when I like it, I, I, try, I relate it back to like, it's the thinnest skin on my body, so it has the most sensation. So if someone grabs me there right. or, you know, the right way right. Um, and it's sensual, you know, in a sensual way, then it's arousing because it's the thinnest, you know, the same way when you kiss my neck. So, sure. so it's less about kind of over time, it's less about my psychology and more about a literal anatomical sensory trigger. And it also can be something where it's creating a level of vulnerability and a level of giving up of control that may be necessary for some people in order to really let go and experience their bodies. Mm. And again, that doesn't have to have anything to do in it might be something that if you were walking down the street and someone tried to grab you around the throat, you would yeah. punch them. Right? Yeah. Like so terrifying. Exactly. So it's within it's contextual and context matters. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been married? Uh, 10 years. Okay. Wow. 
do you feel like you how do you how do you continue to grow with your sexuality with your partner or do you find that you hit you know phases where you're you're bumpy and then you're of gonna course. go and check in again I'm human I'm not like some <laughs> sexual superstar uh so yeah of course and then times where things blossom and then there's times where you know life is happening yeah and you know, things might be on a little bit of a lull because life is happening or somebody's sick or, mm. you know, and then there's times where it's really all over it all the time again. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. My friend was traveling, uh, with her boyfriend and and he got injured surfing <laughs> and uh, and then you know there was a possible cracked rib and I said oh so no sex you know right and she said well I was doing a lot of the work <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know yeah yeah the heavy lifting I, I guess I'm I was thinking about um like even as practitioners right. or like you have, you know, yes, you have this shop and, you know, and you're very knowledgeable. Um, right. But it, I think a lot about, okay, I do this show, but, but it's like, unless you're doing things um, cons- consistently or checking in every few months with yourself, like you of can course. neglect as well or oh, like, totally. and forget things. Well, it's so much easier to tell somebody else how to do something than it is to do it yourself. Right. Like this work of, maintaining and growing our sexuality it's a practice and it's something that's just like anything can get pushed to the side and you have to be intentional about it otherwise it is going to get pushed to the side because let me tell you when you're working and you've got like aging parents or you've got kids or you've got any of that stuff there's times where sleep seems a lot more important yeah and there's times when you need to be like you know what sex is also important and sex is also a really important part of maintaining pair bonding. And if you've are having regular sex with your partner, the fact that they leave their underwear on the floor is slightly less enraging. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> Just the oxytocin release. You're like, right. it's okay. Yeah. It's Cause okay. I feel good. It's fine. And you're cute. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. I feel like that might be a good note to end on. That was so beautiful in the sense of keep checking in. Um, I don't know. Do you have any final like advice tidbits for that kind of, you know, staying connected with your partner? I think one of the really beautiful and powerful parts about being in a long-term relationship is that if you're paying attention, there is no reason to ever get bored. Very few people are static. And also as we age, our bodies change our bodies are different from 20 to 30. The sensations that we like are different from 20 to 30. The sensations you like when you're 40 or 50 or 60 are also different. And so you get to continue to explore all the time. And again, you have to be intentional about it. You have to remember it. And you also have to welcome that change because sometimes that change can be scary. Thank you. All right. Well, we've been talking with Jack Jones and uh, you can find more information uh, at her site. Sugartheshop.com. Thank you. And, and on Twitter at, at SugarJack and Instagram. Great. And SugarJack, J-A-C-Q. Yes. Thank okay. you. Yeah, of course. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, guys. This has been another episode of TNA Talk Sex because sex isn't ever just about sex. And uh, and. Thank you. You can find us on uh, social media at TA Talk Sex. And, uh, and we look forward to talking with you all next week.